Welcome to the What's That podcast. My name is Ernie Stone. And I am Thomas Hebert. We'd like to thank you for joining us today. Here in southern Indiana with kind of a special um, podcast today. We, uh, we went to Together for the Gospel, uh, which is a conference down here with a lot of uh, both Thomas and my favorite speakers. Um, and so we're actually currently in the basement of my in-laws, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, and uh, sitting on the floor and doing this podcast. We make it work no matter what circumstances we have, uh, but we're excited to be here. You may hear some background noise. Uh, I do have three children and they are all running around upstairs, which is why we're not recording up there. Uh, so we do apologize if that happens but that explains why you might hear it i mean if you just had more control over your kids they would no i'm just kidding well it's Allie's fault she's upstairs with them right now so hopefully she uh will not spare the rod if they this is also her least favorite episode so far so right (laughs) this is very true okay so uh we do have two things that we kind of want to cover today uh, first is we'd like to talk a little bit about the conference. We're, we're excited. The, um, the, the elders at New Horizon allowed me a little bit of time off to be able to come and uh, be encouraged in faith and be encouraged in uh, leadership and preaching and things like that. And uh, Thomas is always just a big fan of this kind of stuff as well. And so he was able to take the days off work um, and come as well. So we'd like to give a little bit of feedback um, as to what we thought of the conference. So, uh, Thomas, I'll just start with you because this is a new one for you. Yeah. This is the first time you ever went to this conference. This was my second time. Um, what did you enjoy about this particular conference, uh, apart from like other conferences that you've been to, Passion and stuff like that? What was it that you enjoyed about this one? Um, the thing I enjoyed most is that you got – some of the best teachers in the world together, which is always good, but they are the best, like theologically solid teachers. So there was nothing that I really had to, well, I mean, there's a lot I had to decipher, but we'll get to that later. But there was nothing that I had to kind of guard my heart from to say, this is not exactly right. Right. Something I have to dig further into. Um, I mean, there's a lot I got to dig further into, but something that I had to dig further into to, kind of see where they were coming from, kind of see if maybe my thoughts were wrong on that, right. which right. that's always good because I don't like thinking. But <laughs> So we were able to bring the filter down a little yeah. bit, yeah. Um, trusting because we know a lot of these guys, we've, we've read a lot of them, we've listened to a lot of them. Uh, it, it does give you the opportunity to just be able to enjoy and not have to overly critically think um, about what you're hearing yeah. while still on some level being critical. Yeah. I mean, you should always, especially right. when anyone's preaching the word of God, you should always be critical. Absolutely. On what, they're what did you think of worship? So let me set this up, uh, for worship. If, if we went to passion, if we went to some of these conferences, uh, you're going to get some of the best musicians, Hillsong, uh, passion band, you know, all these, these people, what we got this week was one man, um, can't remember what his name is, <laughs> sitting at a piano leading twelve over 12,000 people in worship. So what was your, th- and much of which was hymns. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, we didn't do any Tomlin. We didn't do any Crowder. It was all him. So what was your thought on that? Because it's so radically different from what we're used to. Um, it's a good change up from what I'm used to. I mean, for the, I don't know, 10, 11 times I went to CIY, you get in your face, you get lights, you get smoked, you get everything else. This was just a stripped down version of a guy who is probably a better musician than any of those other people. Um, probably very true. Who, uh, extremely talented on the absolutely um and apparently a great songwriter based on some of the songs we sang that came from his organization um but so it was it was a nice change up it was nice to just you don't have to focus on the lights you don't have to focus on hey when this light goes over my eyes it blinds me and it's really annoying um you could just you could just sit there you could just worship god and um with ten thousand men and two thousand women singing as well it it's it's something to something to like hold on to something you wish that you could have all the time but and it was interesting because as as i was as we were singing and stuff like that i'm i'm looking at a lot of those guys like john MacArthur and al moeller and john piper and um thabiti not even gonna try to butcher his last <laughs> name uh anya Buile. Oh, uh, and and you're looking at them and you're thinking i bet this is more of what they are used to in worship. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I don't see, maybe I'm wrong on this, but like Bethlehem Baptist Church doing a ton of hill song and stuff like that. Yeah. And so for me, it was just encouraging not to say, hey, we should get away from what we're doing or anything like that, but saying there are just so many possibilities out there for what can really move people in worship and um, that they can really enjoy. Yeah. So yeah, uh, biggest takeaways. What? <laughs> try to narrow that down to one or two. What were your biggest takeaways from the conference? Um, there was quite a few. Um, Kevin DeYoung's much smarter than I will ever be in my life. Um, as are probably all of them on this stage. Um, probably, and this is gonna sound ridiculous because it's. My biggest takeaway wasn't exactly from a sermon that was given. Right. It was the response to a sermon that was given, and that was when David Platt talked about racism oh. and the response on the T4G app where I was just like, they, they don't understand it. Right. Um, we always we made the joke with Paul Washer about, I don't know why you're clapping, he's talking about you, and those are the people he was talking to, right. and those are the people who – even at a conference like this where you can let your guard down, did not want to hear. And, you know, we we talked about this throughout the week, but you've got people really pushing back on David Platt's message, which said there is a problem. Um, There is a problem not only in our culture, but in our churches as well. And kind of the point that I got that he was making throughout that entire thing was that so many pastors are just completely ignorant to it. Not necessarily that they're racist or anything like that, but just that they're unaware of what's going on in our culture. And then to have people push back on the app and on Twitter saying, no, there is no problem there, you know, that really shows exactly the point that he was trying to make throughout his sermon. Um, And I really just appreciated his humility um, uh, anybody who's listening to this, you can go to the Together for the Gospel uh, website and and listen to these messages that we're talking about. Um, but he begins by saying, 
I'm going through changes here, and I don't want to talk about this, and I, this is what they've tasked me with, and I'm completely insufficient to be able to talk about this. And so it wasn't coming from a place of pride or a place of let me preach down on you. It was very much a we are all in this together. We need to figure this out. Um, and I, I would say that was one of my biggest takeaways as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, kind of this, this other question that I had for, for this conference, would you change anything for the future of this conference? If, if you could be on the planning board for the one that's going to be taking place in 2020, would you get where, was there anything that you just thought I'd like to recommend? Paul Washer. Yeah. Uh, get Paul Washer. Get more of his on books. The book. uh, <laughs> so Thomas, Thomas wanted like one author's books, and we saw them early on in the week. And when, by the time we went back later on, they were all sold out. And we were being sold discount, very, very yeah. steep yeah. discounts on these books. So uh, the one thing that Thomas wanted to read was gone by the end of the it's week. It's okay, though. I got a lot of other books. Um, I, I don't know if there's necessarily one thing that I would change or even add to it. It's um, the way it is now. It's, it's a fan. I mean, it's a conference made for pastors, for people like you. Um, and when someone like me, who is really a nobody can go, that's amazing. Uh, but I, I guess the only thing I would, uh, and I don't know how they would pull this off, uh, would be a translator for dumb people like me who understand one out of every eight words that Kevin DeYoung says. Yes, so Kevin DeYoung uh, spoke on, and this is another big word already in the title, uh, really the necessity of our understanding of the immutability of God, which is the unchanging nature that God does not change. Oh, what is it? The God who is not like us, why we need the doctrine of divine immutability. Yes, and so already I'm, I'm guessing some people were possibly confused just by the title. Yeah. Uh, but once he got into it, I mean, just word after word, phrase after phrase, that if I was taking notes, which I wasn't really, um, I would be writing down these words to look up later because they are very, very smart uh, people. And Kevin DeYoung really stood head and shoulders above the rest as far as using words that people just didn't get. Um, so yeah, absolutely. A way to a way to be able to engage possibly just just people who haven't gone to seminary, yeah. haven't gone, you know, and and interacted with many of these ideas. And even somebody who's about to finish up his master's degree in a year I didn't understand <laughs> a, a great yeah. many words that he was saying. So um, let me ask you this. Do you feel like, so you, you brought this up that it was a conference that's aimed really at pastors and church yep. leaders. Yep. Do you feel like congregational lay people, meaning not on staff, not on, uh, not an elder, not in a position of leadership. Do you feel like there was benefit for someone like that to be able to come to a conference like that? Um, absolutely. Um, you, you kind of touched on this a little bit when you said that you were glad I was there because I can kind of hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it gives an idea of what a good pastor is. Yeah. Yeah. So if not necessarily our congregation, but if we took a congregation there and they were like, our pastor does none of this, right? then you know, hey, I'm not 
they're not shepherding me right. They're not they're not giving me the word of God the way that it was designed to. Right. I might need to either one talk to them and ask them, hey, maybe they're just ignorant on the fact. It happens all the time. Uh, but they're able to say, this is not what God designed. We need to fix this. Right. Um, and I think that would be, I think that's a big problem in the American church that oh, oh, the absolutely. congregation is not looking at it that way. Right. So Thomas and I will probably have very deep conversations about how I'm not doing the things that I need to be doing. Well, you're not laying on the <laughs> pulpit like John Piper, so. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and taking your thought even a little bit further, you know, if if somebody comes to this and sees that this is what is expected, I mean, listening to really John MacArthur's message on, um, you know, the pastor's responsibility in promoting and pushing holiness and um, sanctification, becoming more like Christ, and how that's a responsibility that we have. Yeah. Yeah. If you go home and your pastor has no concern over that, and you talk to them and they're like, I don't even understand what you're talking about, so no, I'm not going to do that, then it gives you a little bit of a, maybe I need to be considering this as my church home and, yeah. and things like that as well. So really good conference. Uh, scale of 1 to 10, what would you give it? <clears throat> I hate giving out tens, but <laughs> I, I will give it a nine because I walked up seventy bazillion steps. That is true. Uh, no, it was it was by far the conference itself was a ten. I mean, yep. anytime you get discounted books, it's great. That's oh, just man. in addition to the teaching that you and get and free books and free books. Lots of how many? Free, we probably got fifteen free books. We'll like say that, that yeah. Um, something like that. Mercy. Um, and on top of the teaching that you get from the best people in the world, right? Um. It's, yeah, it's 100% of 10. So it'll be good to look at coming back in two years and hopefully chatting with some other folks in our church and seeing if they'd be interested as well. Yeah. So, and we learned about the cross conference. We did. Which Paul Washer will be at. Paul Washer will be at that. So will Thomas, (laughs) but that's a different story. (laughs) So anyways, we'll talk more about that later. Uh, So our topic for today that we do want to... Uh, get into is another question that was emailed in to us and it's it's kind of a, a double part question I think that we do need to spend a little bit of time on both of these um, and it's basically how do we reach and keep the young adult age in the context of the church so um, we know and, and you'll probably get a little bit into this Thomas but statistics are very discouraging uh, students who go to church really their entire lives, a great many of them, uh, once they go to college, really walk away not only from church, but walk away from a belief system that at least they were holding on to yeah. uh, in their younger years. So uh, we're, we're kind of looking at how do we keep the young adult age, but also uh, it's, it's a different generation. Yep. And so how do we reach them. So which of those should we go over first? Which is first in your notes? I just have a bunch of stats first. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get into some stats and we'll we'll, we'll go from we'll there. We'll figure it out. Okay. Um I just want to start with this. this is not necessarily just on the young adult age, just right. on and and we're talking about America here. We're not talking about right. the world. Absolutely. I don't know anything about the world. I don't know. That would really be interesting to look into though. It would be maybe maybe a different podcast. There we go. Um and th- this, I saw this stat. I don't even know why it showed up, but it did. According to a 2017 study, so last year, 
only 8% of the population attends church more than once a week. Or once a week, once a month. After a week. It's once more a than month. once a month. More than once a month. 8% of the population. Oh, mercy. Um, That was just... Well, that is a highly discouraging stat. I mean, that's not even young adults. That's right. everyone. <laughs> um, but going on to that... Um, in 2014, LifeWay researched that 70% of young adults drop out of the church. 70? 70. 70. 7-0. And of, of 80% of those 70% that drop out stated that that was not their goal in high school. Their goal was not to graduate high school and drop out of the church. So there, there's something that happens there mm. when they leave high school. Um, <clears throat> I'll save that for later. <laughs> uh, let's see. There was a – no, we'll do that later. I have a little different thing. Um, I will give you a couple of reasons, and I'm going to use this study from 1997, so 21 okay. years ago. Okay. Um, reasons why people leave the church. Okay. And the reason I'm using this is because it's been 21 years and the church still hasn't figured this out. Okay. Um, they left because they had troubling unanswered questions about faith. Okay. Um. Still to this day, absolutely. I'm sure you've had multiple conversations mm-hmm. with people. Um, they left because their faith was not working for them. Hmm. Uh, That's they, really interesting. They left because they allowed other things to take priority, which mm-hmm. to this day we still struggle with. And they left because they never personally owned their own faith. Right. Which is a big one. Yep, absolutely. Um, and it's been 21 years and the church is still in the same place. Right. I, I don't see much improvement on any of those. Right. So <clears throat> let's dig into these a little bit. I had, I kind of had written down the question, um, students who grow up in the church are leaving. Why? Why is it that they're leaving? And uh, I was reading an article by Piper, by John Piper, and um, something that he said in there really stuck out. I've, I've said it to our students. I've said it to people that I've had interactions with. It was along the lines of college doesn't change your heart college reveals your heart um and that last one that you said that their faith was not their own um i had asked the question what is being revealed in people's hearts that is causing them to leave the church the first thing that i had was no ownership of faith um once students go to college uh and are away from home really uh once students even if they join the workforce and possibly move out on their own, um, many of these students who their parents were kind of dragging them to church. And yeah. uh, even some of like your core students, some of your uh, students that you're most looking forward to seeing how they're going to develop in their faith in college, you end up finding that they were coming because it was expected of them to be there. Um, whether by their parents, their youth pastor, their pastor, whatever. And now all of a sudden there is no expectation. Yeah. Um, um, and so that is one of the, the biggest problems is that you find that these students were clinging on to somebody else's faith, whether their pastor, their parent, their friend yeah. who was inviting them and telling them to come all the time. Um, and they did not have any ownership of their own faith. Are you hearing one of my uh, yeah, children yeah. upstairs? Dragging something, yes. Dragging something on the um, floor. I, I mean, that's that's the the big thing, and I think it starts it starts at home. It doesn't start with mm-hmm. bringing the kid to church, and I think that's where, especially as Americans, 
we we see pastors were like well they're better at teaching people than us so we'll we'll let them teach and when we get home we we won't discuss it i won't try to as a parent i won't try to build into my kids right or even as even like an older sibling i won't try to build into the younger sibling or vice versa right um which for me uh, it's it's it doesn't make any sense but right but that's me uh I can get on my high horse because I don't have kids to do do that with. Uh, I don't have siblings to do that with. So, I mean. Well, and, you know, one of the things I, I think that really makes parents nervous because it makes me nervous. And I'm, I, you know, I've been in youth past uh, a youth pastor for almost 10 years and then um, am still a pastor is there is some intimidation behind the idea of, number one, setting aside time every day that you are with your kids and um, really investing in their faith, investing in their spiritual walk and their relationship with Christ. So finding, number one, the time to do that, which as I'm saying that, that's absurd because (laughs) we find so much time to do so many other things. Like podcasts. Right, Right, like podcasts. (laughs) I'm just going to shut down right now and go talk to my kids about (laughs) Jesus. but the other thing is, I think a lot of parents are intimidated by questions that they get. And they all of a sudden don't know exactly how to answer some of these questions that kids are getting even as early as, you know, 8, 9, 10 yeah. years old. And so their thought is, let's get them to the church. Let's get them to the place where... And little do they know that oftentimes pastors don't have answers for these <laughs> questions. I mean... Um, you know, what does God look like? Or, you know, all these, what was there before God? We, we have answers, but they're not going to make sense. Yeah. Uh, they're very difficult to, to work through. And so we have to, as parents, be able to say, I'm not going to know all the answers, but I want to be open and I want to be honest and transparent with my kids. Um, and I want to show them that a relationship with Jesus Christ is extremely important in my life, and it ought to be in theirs as well. So, yeah, we've got this idea of no ownership of faith. My other note that I had is um, there's no passion in faith. Um, one thing that I've noticed, so we can both attest to this because you've been helping me out in youth ministry yeah. the entire time that I've been at New Horizon. Um we started out with a lot of students that left the church. I mean, some yeah. of some of those first students that we had, you know, so like four years into my time at New Horizon, when they're now going to college, they've been in our program for four years, and they're just gone. Yeah. I mean, just walk away. Um, and now, lately, I feel like maybe we've gotten to a place where we've got some students who are still super involved, um, and really getting into campus ministry and and things like that. And I've asked myself the question of what's the difference. And one of the things is the students who are staying are people who are serving. They're getting involved in life at, at a church at new horizon before they go. And then at these new churches, once they get there, um, and you can just tell they are not okay with a surface level faith. Yeah. Um, they are the ones who are asking questions. I, I remember um, when 
you know this, when we go grocery shopping, my wife has to take two people extra, one to babysit the kids and one to babysit me, because I hate (laughs) grocery shopping so much. And we once brought Katie Campbell, uh, one of our former students, and so Katie and I just walked around the store, and she was asking me a lot of questions about my faith and what I believed. Um, The big thing is Calvinism. We had a lot of talk about that, and she asked me, I remember one of the questions she asked is, what's your biggest problem with Calvinism? Yeah. Like, what's your biggest kind of unanswered question? And that shows me a student who's willing to dig in. Yeah. And so you've got you've got these people who are leaving the church that they're not serving. They're not getting involved outside of maybe Wednesday night ministry. And you just get a sense that their their faith is very surface level. Have you seen evidence of that as well? Um, yeah, um, especially these last like two or three years, mm-hmm. I think that that group that graduated has has been the light. Like, because there for a while, yeah. those first few years, it was like, "What am I doing? Is right. is what I'm doing doing anything? Is it is it glorifying to God when I have you know ninety, a hundred percent of my students walk away?" Right. Um, so I, I really think that this this last generation. And this generation coming up, um, they they want the deeper faith. Right. The generation before me was happy with WWJD. Yes, that's my generation, by the way. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> he's so much older than me. Right. Uh, so they were happy with what would Jesus do? That's right. all I need in theology. This this group, especially, they're they're so smart. Yep. That they can see ba- they can see through. I don't want to say I don't want to say the. There's a lot of words that I want to say. Right? <laughs> I'm not going to say. But, You're uh, going through your catalog yes, of words. Uh, I don't have words that are <laughs> that are podcast approved. Uh, so they don't they don't they don't want the the shallowness of right. Like they want, and they said this in the Calvinist movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they want chapter and verse. Yep. They don't want well in the story of such and such this happened. They want show me where this happened. Where can I see it for myself? So I can then right. thus get you know I can read. I can do a little bit of research into it, and I I think that's where as the American church we are really letting the young adults now down yep. um, because at, the people and this is going to sound very very critical, and I do not apologize for that. Uh, You're talking to a pastor I, here. <laughs> this is not a pastor problem. This is right, a church problem. Right. The people who are paying the bills for the church are not the young adults. Okay. Um, they're not the ones that have the jobs with expendable money. Okay. So they are not going to teach to the young adults hmm. because they need to keep the older generation in so that they can keep the lights on. And um, I think that the business aspect of church is a major problem. Yeah. Um, and I understand it because you have to keep the lights on. I, I right. get it. Um, but I, I think that's, there's gotta be a line right, to where you're going to, you're just going to lose all the younger generation. So we have to get out of this way of, of, of probably thinking about, are your feet falling asleep? Yes. Mine are too. Uh, we have to get out of this way of thinking about, uh, here is the demographic that I'm preaching at. Yeah. Uh, and instead, you know, I, I think that's the beautiful thing about Scripture. When it talks about the church, it talks about, about the diversity of the church. Yeah. And that's not just about 
you know, gender or race or anything like that. It's also about age. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we we have to be churches that are willing to reach people all the way from birth until the time that they're dying. And so, you know, we're we're thinking about my my kids. You know, I've got a two year old little boy. When he comes to church. I don't necessarily just want him to be babysat. Yeah. Like there's a great opportunity for us to be able to start investing in him even at that age. Now I've got a six month old and there's not a whole lot you can do with her. Um, <laughs> well, if you're Presby, you can, there you you can baptize her. <laughs> <and baptize>. you... <laughs> it's very true. We learned a lot about the Presbyterian faith this weekend too. Um, but, you know, really making sure that we have things that are available to teach to the specific needs of of all of these age groups, the diversity of age in our church. And so I think that's a very good point. We, um, we can't look at our main demographic and say, you're who I'm aiming at, especially with the gospel, because yeah. the gospel is meant for all ages for everyone. And, and it's meant to impact and deepen the faith of everybody right um so how do we keep them then how does new horizon christian church in hayworth illinois um what should be our goals then in keeping young adults uh engaged in in worship that's a perfect segue because that's exactly what i had next ways to develop young adults and let's keep in mind there is no formula. Exactly. That will this is just 100%. my opinion. Right. So if you want the opinion of a guy who doesn't know anything, <laughs> this is it. Um, but I was a young adult at one time. Right. This is what Absolutely. I wanted. Uh, develop relationships with young adults. So as the older generation, you have to develop those relationships. Yep. You have to um, even just invite them over for a meal. Hey, we know you. Um, there are many a times where I could walk into church, talk to the three people I talked to, and leave. Many times. And I, I feel it's even worse, especially like if you're in that like 18 to 20 range. Right. Because you don't, you don't really hang out with high schoolers as much. There's not really a whole lot of adults right. um, that you hang out with. So it's... <laughs> Sorry, my uh, five-year-old just came in the room. So it's, it's uh, you're kind of just stuck by yourself. Right. Especially in Hayworth when there's only two other people in that age group usually. Oh, absolutely. Um, number two, teach young adults, and this would be more uh-huh. you and well, and the parents, teach young adults to study and recognize what's happening in culture. Okay. So you have to get on the forefront of what's happening in culture, and so which means you have to understand what's happening in culture. That's true. Um which we could go back to David Platt and talk about racism, but I think that's a different podcast. <laughs> you guys can back. That's one of our topics that was oh, emailed in. Okay. <laughs> Even better. Uh, number three, um, help young adults discover their own mission in the world rather than ask them to wait their turn. Mm. So use them now. Oh, absolutely. Um, don't be like, oh, in 10 years you can you can pick what music we listen to. Right. Like, If this is what you want, this is something we should try to – incorporate because you are part of the church there's that whole they're the church of tomorrow they're the church yeah. of the future no they're not they, they are, are a part church. of what the church is absolutely um number four i only got two more so okay. you only got to listen to me ramble for that <laughs> um teach young adults a more potent theology of vocation so the or their calling 
right do that um so don't again don't sit on the wwjd go don't water down much much deeper um and we talked a little bit about this this week throwing people in like the deep end of the pool yeah that's what this generation wants yep let me show you that i understand this yep um last one i have help young adults to develop a lasting faith by enabling a deeper relationship with god don't ask me how to do that Right, <laughs> <laughs> but it's something as a church, as a church family, we need to try to understand and right. try to absolutely. And I, I'd speak to a couple of those. Um, we so I don't remember what number it was, but the idea of like developing relationships between the older generations and young adults that was number one. And I mean, and even being able to develop relationships between young adults and those younger than absolutely. Them, to encourage that. Um, that's a really big problem in the church today. And I think that if we've seen anything in 10 years of youth ministry, it's that students have a really difficult time engaging with adults. Yeah. Uh, they would rather be around their own age. They would rather be with people that are like them, that have the same interests and stuff like that. And so I really think it's going to take the adults um, who are hopefully a little bit more mature in their faith and mature in their social development and things like that to say we're going to go even further than we normally would have to go yeah. to make sure that we are reaching these young adults. And so things like what you said, inviting them to dinner, opening our, our, our homes and having conversations, those are absolutely huge. Uh, one thing that I had on my list was transparency. Yeah. Um, a lot of this generation, millennials, whatever you want to call them, of young adults, uh, everything that I read says that they hate fakeness mm-hmm. um, and that they can spot it really easily. Yeah. And so, you know, this this ability to be able to be honest with what's going on in our lives to to walk through what's going on in their lives in an honest and transparent way to be able to share our failures um that's and what one. we have learned from those that is a big one that that's, that's absolutely huge uh depth i love that you brought that up um <clears throat> we are not here to entertain we're just <laughs> not and uh and we can't compete with other entertainment options anyway. Um, If oftentimes I I would always think if somebody's going to come to the hype or watch Netflix, um, if entertainment is their goal, they're not going to be at the hype. Right. You know, it it just, no matter how much fun we were trying to have, it just wasn't going to be as entertaining as other options that they have. And so let's just understand that right up front. And say that's not what the gospel is about, and it's not what about our what our churches ought to be about either. So let's dive in. Let's challenge them and understand that they can under they can grasp so much more than we think that they can. Um, and then finally, the other note I had was parents start young. Yeah, start young with your kids and realize that someday they will be high schoolers going into college. And the statistics are not like I said; they are very discouraging. They are not in our favor, and so we have to do the extra work partnering with the church um, to make sure that our kids are owning their faith and are understanding what we are teaching them. Right. Does that all make sense? That all makes perfect sense. Perfect. 
Is there anything else on this topic that you can think of? The next generation. The next generation. The next generation. So I have more research stats. So if you like <laughs> stats, like this is the perfect podcast I love for it. you. Uh, done in 2018, so earlier this year, mm-hmm. the Barner Group did a study from, what was it, 13 to 18-year-olds now. So you're okay. junior high and high schoolers. Uh, 59% of students in this age group identify as Christian or Catholic, down from 75%. Okay. Uh, 21% say they're atheists or agnostic, up from 11%. Okay. And 14% say they have no religious affiliation, which is up from 9%. Those are both huge because... Yeah. I don't know that it was ever really all that popular of a thing to be a Christian or that cool of a thing or anything like that, but it is becoming a much more popular and cool thing now to have no affiliation and to have no belief in God, um, atheistic. And so that, again, is going to present another challenge. Go ahead. Um, And this is why I did this study is they gave, what is this, seven reasons. They gave them seven options on why. Um, what are their, they call them barriers of faith. Okay. So what's stopping them from believing? Um, the first one at 29% was I have a hard time believing that a good God will, would allow so much evil or suffering in the world. Mm. So 29% of those students struggle with that, right? which I think a lot of adults also yep. struggle with and so on and so forth. Um, the second one, which we all know it's there. We all, we've all heard this. But the fact that it's the number two reason why the 13 to 18 year olds aren't going to church, aren't following mm-hmm. God, Christians are hypocrites. Yeah. And that's something that we can fix. Yeah, that's spoken of a bit we this did. weekend. That's something <laughs> we can fix. That's something that we do. Right. Um, so it's just keep an eye on that. Um, the third one was at 20%, I believe science refutes too much of the Bible. Okay. Um, the fourth one at 19%. Just simply said, I don't believe in fairy tales. Okay. <laughs> um, Mercy. Then at 15%, there are too many injustices in his, in the history of Christianity. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, then 12% says, I used to go to church, but it's not important to me anymore. Okay. And then the last one at 6%, 6% was, I had a bad experience at church with a Christian. Um, Again, kind of that hypocrite, yeah, hypocrisy. Yeah. So if you added that to the other one, it would be tied for first, right? At twenty nine percent. And so we think through some of these. What we were just saying about depth. These are very, very difficult questions that I think we can have answers to. Why does God allow suffering in the world? Uh, why has there been so much injustice at the hands of Christians? Um, you know, I don't believe in fairy tales. So, uh, and science refutes, you know, these are all things that I I believe we have to, and not just pastors and elders and Sunday school teachers, but I think that these are things that we can look into and we can try to gain an understanding so that we can encourage conversation instead of just saying, you know, I don't know why God allows suffering let's just end the conversation there. yeah you know that's not going to work for this next generation just like it's not working for millennials so we have to do our part and make sure that we are um using the minds that god gave us and the relationships that god gave us to to bring him glory and to know him better yeah i i i just wrote that down because i think that as a church member and you as a pastor mm-hmm. this is something that we can we can see and this is something we can actively work on 
hey, how do we reach this group? We stop being hypocrites. We explain why there is evil in the world yep. and it's not God's fault. Um, we can talk about science in the Bible. There are many Christian scientists who have released lots of work that right. says, hold on a second, this right. is not necessarily the case. So, I mean, the history, you got to live with your history. People right. make mistakes, right? Uh, but, but being able to talk through what sin is, exactly. how it has impacted all people, yeah. Christians and non-Christians alike. Yep. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and answer all these. Why not? Um, <laughs> I just thought I don't believe in fairy tales was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, kind of sad. It was very sad. Well, and that's, it again, is getting to, I, I find that one very closely linked to the science one. Yeah. Is there evidence for God? Um, and maybe it's more philosophy. It's more of a philosophical question. Yeah. Can I believe in this if I'm not seeing, if I'm not recognizing evidence for it? And so that would be what would cause somebody to say it's a fairy tale. It doesn't exist. And so people are just making it up. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So there's our challenges for the next generation as well. It's not going to be ending with this generation. So we've got some work to do for yep. sure. Man, what else you got? Any other statistics? I have a ton more. I'm just going to do this one. Um, <laughs> it's from the same study. Uh, when students of this age group were asked why they didn't think church was important, mm -hmm. they gave these reasons. Uh, one was at 59. This wasn't like a, this is going to equal 100%. This was, right. does this apply to you? Uh, at 59%, the church is not relevant to me. Okay. Which that's a topic in of itself. Right. Fun. Um, forty-eight percent said, "I find God elsewhere." Oh, that interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's huh. okay. Um, then twenty-eight percent says, "I can teach myself what I need to know." Okay. So I think that links very closely with the chapter right. first, where these kids want to know, they want to find out. Um, twenty percent says, "I think church is out of date." Okay. Um, fifteen percent says. I don't like the people who are in the church. <laughs> oh. <laughs> which, which is sad. Right. Absolutely. 12% um, say the rituals, The if I can talk, <laughs> the rituals of church are empty. Okay. okay. Um, and that's... Which oftentimes can be true. It's right. something that we need to be evaluating in the church. And I just, again, think that goes with the last study where it kind of shows where their minds are, where their hearts are. Right. And something that we can help them figure out. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think all of those are, that is a lot to think through. Yes. That's, we we really do need to be very diligent in our faith. And, um, you know, one of the things that we talked a lot about this weekend was loving God and loving others. Yeah. Um, I, I think that we can add to that knowing God and knowing others as well. Yeah. Uh, as being extremely valuable in helping this next generation in their faith and in their relationship with Christ. Well, thanks, Thomas, for sharing all those. Yeah. Those were super depressing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for. I would like to uh, recommend a book that has been really helpful to me. It's a very short book, probably 60 pages, something like that. It's called Family Worship by Donald Whitney. Um, his, his big three things are when you're with your family, no matter what age they are. So us with our kids right now and all the way up to high school, if they're still living at home, uh, even beyond that, uh, his big three things are, 
uh, read, pray, and sing. And so he's really big on families reading the Bible together, even if it's just a, a smaller passage, spending time in prayer for your family, for your community, for your church, for the world, um, and singing together, teaching your kids songs that they can continue to sing truths about uh, about Christ. And yeah. really, really good book. I read it. It did not take much time at all. So I would recommend that for parents out there. Um, anything else we need to cover? Nope. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We are um, really excited to continue doing this, and we'll be back in one or two weeks. We'll have to figure out when we're going to do our next one. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thomas here. Just wanted to remind you that if you have any questions or comments or just want to say hi to us, um, you can get a hold of us at whatsthatpod at gmail.com. Again, it's whatsthatpod at gmail.com. Uh, We hope to hear from you guys soon. Thanks for listening.